Hi everyone, this is Kim C, and you're listening to the Year of Underrated Stephen King. This is a one-woman book podcast where for two years now I have used my background as a university fiction teacher to unearth the literary power of Stephen King's underrated writings. Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining me. Do pardon the delay since our last episode. I got a little bogged down on student fiction submissions. Everything kind of hits you really hard right before spring break and then after I did my very best to enjoy my spring break holiday. So we are finding a little bit of time to reflect on our upcoming two-year anniversary as a podcast. We were born uh, right in the middle of April 2020 in the midst of lockdown, uh, which I believe uh, a lot of things were born during that very odd time I don't even want to think about. That was a wild year, as we all know. Um, But in between this sort of reflective time, even though we're about two weeks out from the actual anniversary, I'm a little busy reading and enjoying immensely from a Buick 8, as well as making some friends. I have been a guest on a fantastic podcast called King Size featuring Matt and Simon in the UK. It is delightful. I'm just celebrating it with all of my soul and uh, making friends here and there and uh, dabbling and chatting king so do forgive the delay but I did want to take an extra special slice of time to just kind of stop for a second and reflect and discuss the show what we've done where we're going and also welcome the new friends who have popped up if you are very new to the podcast and new to our show, we are so immensely grateful. I am so excited to have you and we did want to talk a little bit about the roots and uh, give give everybody a sense of how this all got started. Uh, we did a one year in episode, of course, right around this time a year ago, and I think it's really important to always stop and reflect a little bit. I am very introspective in that way. It, it's it's you know after all, I am a part of the humanities. I am. Um, my career stems from a very. Uh, emotionally centered zone of humanity and so it's always important to plug into that and reflect on what we've accomplished thus far uh so let us do that if you are new to the podcast welcome welcome we love having you and hope you're enjoying yourself if you haven't reached out to us on any of the socials please do So we are almost in the 90s in terms of episodes, dear folks, and that's a really exciting thing. My goal is to hit 100 this year. We'll see if we can make it happen. Uh, But I have noticed I am slowing down just a tiny bit as I'm taking my time with these underrated works. Not to say that I've rushed through the last several, the last episodes, Um, but I think there was also a lot of, you know, 
other things happening in the world that allowed my escape into King to take all of my focus. Uh, but now that the world is somewhat coming back to life again, I am living life and making friends and sharing King. And so when I do return to the novels, I'm definitely taking my time and savoring and asking a lot more questions, mulling over things, meditating on them, especially as we go deeper into the catalog. And double especially, since we are now in the Dark Tower, in which, wow, what a feast for my brain, guys. Took me a minute to get on board, as I think that's... Uh, pretty much par for the course with anybody reading the Dark Tower, especially with the gunslinger. It's a little strange uh, getting getting that engine revved up, but then once it's going, it's going. So at present, we are currently working on From a Buick 8 to follow up shortly after with Wizard and Glass. Really, really excited for that. But if you're very new to the podcast and haven't heard my spiel before, I won't go extensively into it. You can jump into our one year in episode this time last year. Uh, But thus far, I think this podcast has brought me so much joy in my personal life. And as I kind of mentioned in that episode a year ago, I wanted to do this show even if no one listened to it. And I still feel that way. And that's very important because I think every now and again, it's normal. You kind of look at the podcast climate around you and mine's a little different. I don't have a co-host to banter back and forth with. I like it that way, though. Uh, I get to be queen of my own castle. I get to write my notes my way. I'm a little uh, diva that way. Um, Not to say I would oppose a co-host. Always leave the door open for that, of course. And uh, I love my constant reader interviews, as you guys know. I really get to feel like I'm James Lipton from Inside the Actor's Studio. It's a wonderful (laughs) feeling to have. Um, But I still can confidently say today that I would make this show even if no one listened. And I am so thrilled that more people have been listening and that warms my heart to no end. So thank you guys, uh, new and old listeners, for continuing to invite me into your day with some of my thoughts on King's stories. Because, yeah, I'm a, a sort of special little snowflake, aren't I? I'm a interesting one woman, uh, just one gal gabbing about King and these books and doing her best to incorporate some of the more academic-leaning observations. But it's also me being really hyper and uh, pot- potentially a bit long-winded and uh, hopefully entertaining. I do try to keep it jazzy. Uh, so... I still hold true and I, I, as we started to, once the calendar switched over to April, I'm like, all right, it's two years since we've been doing the show. How do we feel? Do we still want to do it? Uh, where, where are we currently at? And the answer was a hundred percent. Yes. I am having such a great time and the fun has just continued. I am more in love with King than when this ride started, which is a wonderful thing to proclaim. I The love has only deepened. And I hope out there for all of you that, you know, 
bear with me that I'm slightly late to the party. So for those of you who are very new to the show, I did not read my first King title until I was 26 years old. I went 26 years of life with nothing, guys. And that was partially on me. I just didn't want to. I I had seen King titles floating around my house. My dad always told me, hey, these are scary don't read them. You're going to be scared. You're going to have nightmares. And I believed him. There was really no drive in me to rebel, um, which is interesting. If I, if I think back on that as a kid, I wonder why I didn't just, but yeah, no, I really wasn't moved by horror. I was more into romance as a kid. I would sneak romance novels rather than horror. So that kind of sheds more light on what I was into as a teenager. (laughs) Um, So I would sneak read romance novels all the time. That was where I got my my jollies, as they say. Um, So I never really wanted to dive into horror. And it wasn't until 26 that I just happened upon Full Dark No Stars, that amazing book, that fantastic novella collection that I had bought my father for Christmas, I think the year before. And I was in his office, pulled it off the shelf, started reading it on a whim, and the rest is history. So having said that, that kicked off my journey at the age of 26. Ergo, I feel I'm really late to the party in a lot of ways, which in one way is kind of good for the podcast as I'm discovering these novels for the very first time. A lot of them. There isn't there isn't a substantial amount of King books that I've read twice. There are a few, and I make it a point to always let you guys, the listener, know, hey, this is my second time reading or my first time reading. For example, if we jump back to my Skeleton Crew episodes, which was a 1985 collection, however, most of those stories were early 80s, late 70s outputs, and then they were sort of stitched together for that collection. I was really astonished by the way King made me feel with some of the tropes that he's known for in terms of sort of alienating the reader, shaming overweight people, maybe being a little misogynistic, slightly bullying uh, toward specifically overweight people, just all of these things that aren't our favorite aspects of King writing. For me, that is very new, guys. I think a lot of King readers who grew up with him have been reading him for decades. It's just something that is a part of the deal is you encounter that and then you see as he outgrows it you see how time and life kind of humble him and give him this immense grace and extraordinary talent uh i i personally would like to do an episode or chat with a constant reader out there do we feel if king is stronger post-accident than what he was before the accident in, in 1999 I'd like to, that's the topic. Everybody put that in your stew pot because we're, we're going to chat about that more. But so I, I think I'm sort of discovering reading early King that there, there are some things in his writing that are very Richard Bachman. And I understand the need for Richard Bachman. He wanted to hide. He wanted to write and be free and say offensive, um, 
impulsive things and have that freedom to do so. And I don't knock him for it, that's for sure. I am merely speculating on how it feels from a reader perspective. I'm reading this man in 2022, whereas, you know, his fans were digesting it in the 1980s and most definitely was a different world and King was a different guy. So... I am discovering all of these things that many constant readers and fans of King have known, that this is kind of what he does a little bit. However, um, when you take it with a grain of salt, it's completely always, always worth the journey. And I guess having experienced some of these not so nice aspects of King's writing and King's literary personality, it, it sort of just makes me appreciate that he's a human he's just a guy and uh, everybody has their flaws and unfortunately his are just in the you know public variety uh where there's some patterns within these stories where we're like wait a minute that's not nice however moving past that when you get to objectively separate your subjectivity um I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to absorb King in all facets of his career. And I think it's just something that we constant readers say, all right, this is this King right now. This is this is Bachman or this is early 80s. This is substance abuse King. This is this guy who's a little bit, um, who's definitely a, a different kind of writer. Um, and we're examining a, a life's work here. And thank goodness he's still with us still writing still creating super excited for the september i believe we're getting a new novel out this year called fairy tale super excited about that but um what i've realized with this episode dear friends it's very meandering so typically there's a lot more structure involved if you guys have dabbled in the previous episodes i am a very structured individual as an educator i kind of have to be but this is a reflective episode so we're just kind of going with it and we're meandering throughout the past two years thoughts etc so i hope that's okay as we meander a little further into uh the past let us sort of segue into where it all began, uh, which most of you guys know, as I mentioned, uh, Full Dark No Stars, my first official King book ever in my life. Never had I read anything before that, and it changed my life. Before that happened, though, I was the president of a fiction book club here in my local city, and we it had a heavy emphasis on classics. And so I, at the time, was having a great time rereading uh, Anna Karenina and uh, East of Eden by John Steinbeck. We also read uh, The Good Earth by Pearl S. Buck and all of these amazing uh, classic titles that we all need to have read in our lives. Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. Um, what other ones? The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. You know, all the greats. And we would meet up at restaurants and chat about them and it was a great time. But uh, right around that two-year mark, you know, in between these classic books, I'm reading King and afraid to talk about them with this very literary book club I have. 
until we I forced the club as president. I was allowed to do that. And I said, all right, guys, we're taking two months and we are reading 112263 because this is historical fiction. And I don't care if you hate Stephen King, we're going to read this. And they did. And that was when I realized, okay, I think there's there's an opportunity here for people who hate scary authors in quotes who have marginalized king is a uh, genre author and i don't want to read a stephen king book because i don't want to be scared i hear that quite a bit i hear that a lot actually or i don't really like horror and these are the things that i hear and that i heard out of my book club and so i was like well we're doing it. I am forcing all of you. You either come to the club meeting or you don't. That's fine. We're reading 112263. And when we were finished with that title, guys, when my, I want to say it was about eight people in the club took the time, read it through uh, a mixed group, a mixed demographic of ages. Uh, there was a lot of 50 plus individuals who, who loved the hell out of 112263 and were so surprised as to they had never read a king work before had no idea it was going to be like that had no idea they were going to love it so much and i was like yes it is possible guys it is possible to bring king into that spotlight where um brand new haters so to speak or the people who just don't even want to dip their toe in the water can be astonished by this man's storytelling ability his literary talent his mastery of the fiction craft and that sort of sparked it that sparked it for me guys when we had it was in November because, of course, I had to stay true to the theme. That November, uh, we discussed 112263 with my fiction book club, and I was just listening to these women who had never read a King novel in their lives, um, listening to these men who lived through it as children who saw their parents weeping uh, over the news broadcast. My own father has visceral memories because of this. He was living in Japan at the time. My grandfather was in the Navy and he has these very, very strong memories of my grandmother crying into a dishcloth in the kitchen in their little Japanese army housing amazing amazing uh the historical relevance that king tapped into as well as the absolutely real and raw grief of the country it, it, oh my god 112263 it is in my top 10 as you guys will find out from my a top nine stephen king novels i explain why there's only nine someday we'll have 10 someday we'll be a real boy but for right now only top nine um but that sparked it folks so that was probably around 2016 when uh, i first did that public read through for the book club and then i was just reading king as voraciously as i could and that's what eventually caused me to shut down the book club was because i wanted to read king and i didn't really want to uh read the house of mirth or <laughs> i i was just not in the mood to read the portrait of dorian gray by oscar wilde i love these titles they're great but i was like how about uh somebody else read them and i read king um and so i stepped down as president handed the book club off and then i started reading king and just diving in and afterwards i would finish a title and jot down a few notes and 
it was, yeah, I was thankful enough that we had some amazing Stephen King podcasts out there that we still have today that have just nourished and made us laugh and brought in a greater insight into some of these characters, some of these titles we've read. Uh, but then I would finish an episode of these wonderful podcasts that I'm so glad are still with us, still out there churning out content, still creating episodes. And I would think to myself, yeah, but what about this character? Or what about this foreshadowing? Did anybody talk about that? What about this narrative point of view? What, you know, and then that's how I would go to sleep at night. That's how I would just fall asleep is thinking about these books to myself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was like, okay, well, I guess this is just how it is. I read a King book. I enjoy it. I'll just break it down for myself and uh, move on with life. And then, of course, 2020 happened and I had several weeks in my home working remotely. And uh, the, the, the idea really started to turn on the tracks rather quickly, guys. The train wheels definitely started moving faster and faster and faster. Uh, it's one of those feverish you know, times. And of course it happened in the month of April. I'm a little bit of an astrology nerd and April is a fire sign month without getting too nerdy. And fire signs are a lot about taking action, taking and going after the spirit of something. So of course it would happen in April. That is the month of seizing the moment. And so I did. And that first episode makes me die so much, guys, in terms of embarrassment. It is the worst first episode ever, I think, in the history of mankind. However, I believe most podcasters think that that exact thing. Understandable. However, I I just, you know, I, please <laughs> don't listen to it. It's the worst. Like, it's just the absolute worst. Um, However, we all got to start somewhere, right? So with, with radical grace toward myself, I released that super cringy episode. I had no microphone. Uh, I think I had a webcam and that's kind of how I created those initial episodes. I'm just held together with duct tape and dreams. I was just... I would record for hours, you guys. My my voice would be absolutely raw. My throat would be just destroyed. I I was just consumed with making this work. And during 2020, after I finished the immensely enormous, layered, fascinating, phenomenally complex under the dome, I was like, oh my gosh, I could talk forever on this. But am I supposed to talk forever? I think I'm only supposed to talk for like... Does anybody want to hear me talk for a little bit? So in, in retrospect, I think the Under the Dome episodes definitely could have been hours long. I would like to revisit Under the Dome at some point because I was so nervous and just unsure and uncertain all alone doing this having no advice or I knew not one single podcaster who gave me any advice I was just going in blind I have zero audio skills or of any kind as you can as you can hear in those very very early episodes so 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 green um and i i did 30 minutes a piece for under the dome and i just shake my head at that now guys i'm just like what? 
It's, it's almost a 1200 page book. How, how can I make it so small? But again, uh, we live and we learn. And so we look back on those humble early episodes where I was working so hard and composing whatever I could, whatever I thought would work at the time. So we might have to revisit Under the Dome just because it's so good and I did not talk very much at all. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to definitely revisit only because, oh my god, Big Jim Runny, that is the villain to end all villains. I mean, I, I talk about this in my Misery episode, I mean, Annie Wilkes definitely is a force of nature and I understand why she is one of the most sinister, memorable king villains of all time, but thus far, even after encountering Percy Wetmore from the Green Mile, uh, from, oh gosh, uh, some of the greats Pennywise from It, of course. Um, I'm encountering a little bit of Randall Flaggish from, at least I think it's Randall Flagg, um, from uh, the, the Dark Tower, you know, all of these amazing king villains. Big Jim Rennie is still the top for me, guys. Like, he, he hasn't been beaten. And I think that's mostly because, for me, he's the most terrifying out of all of them. Uh, he's, I think, as I've kind of mentioned on other podcasts as well as my own show, I'm a little bit more terrified by the human evil and not so much the supernatural evil. I do like the supernatural evil quite a bit, uh, specifically the really, really cool female villain in Duma Key. Oh my gosh. And then we've got the amazingly complex villain of Charles Daniels. Is it Charlie Daniels? Um, I always forget his full name from uh, Revival. So there are masterful king villains everywhere, but Big Jim Runny has still taken the cake for me in terms of, I don't think he's been knocked off the pedestal quite yet. He's been close. Um, Norman Daniels, I'm getting my lines crossed. Norman Daniels from Rose Matter, he was horrific. Oh my god. But still didn't knock off Junior Rennie, or not Junior, um, Big Jim Rennie. Um, in addition, so uh, the guy who's in Revival, it's Charles something. It's not Daniels. There's Norman Daniels from Rose Matter, and then there's Charles something from Revival. He's a fantastic villain. Uh, so complex. So well-written. Fantastic. Um, so in retrospect, I really wish I would have made my Under the Dome episodes with a lot more coverage and a lot more things to say. However, I think we made a decent dent scratching the surface. I, I remember feeling proud at that time, but you know, uh, thankfully I do have the opportunity to revisit some of these and I think I will. I think I'm going to uh, do the same with Lisey's story. That was one where I just feel I could have chatted more. I could have definitely done more. Um, so we might have to revisit those in, in time because those are underrated works that blew my doors in and they're very polarizing. They We could really pick those apart and analyze those to death, guys. Um, Lisey's story, what a trip. And now we have a fantastic 
uh, Apple TV miniseries with some powerhouse actors inside and it was wonderful and I'm glad that more people will hopefully read Lisey's story because of the show because the show was absolutely I stand by this it was created for readers it really was King Pendant for his love of the novel and it's for those who read it a hundred percent and if any of you guys have people in your life who have watched the show of Lisey's story with you having no idea what the book was about I I'm really hungry to learn what their thoughts were did they hate it were they confused because I I could see a lot of people not really getting into it just because it's so wild the story is pretty bananas. However, I did like how the show really allowed for a lot more visual representation of Booyah Moon and how you get there via water, a running faucet, an overflowing shower, like uh, a, a fountain just bubbling over and then that's how you transport yourself to Booyah Moon. So I really loved the the visual assistance we received from the adaptation because it's such a trippy book oh my gosh um but yeah so those early novels i i guess in a roundabout way i'm asking for everyone's forgiveness uh knowing what i know now and knowing my ability to blab on even the tiniest king tales i really wish i would have given those those uh powerhouse stories a little bit more of myself however i was just a a a lonely lonely uh solo coyote uh, all by myself and so um yeah you you live and you learn and you do better so i think we might have to revisit those early episodes those early king works and i'm sort of setting my best foot forward to 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 keep that in mind so some of the goals that i think i have for this upcoming year and beyond of the podcast is to uh one keep making friends i really really enjoy chatting with other king podcasters as well as other king constant readers out there it just really brings me a lot of joy to make some friends out there and chat king and really hear about where others uh other king journeys began and and why their love of king kind of matches my own or is completely different or you know where we find magic in the same places and different places so i promise there's going to be a lot more constant reader interviews i'm hoping to make more friends out there and so if you out there want to be my friend i'm extremely open to that please reach out to me on any of the socials if you are a constant reader from way back and would like to be on the show because that has been such a joy to to make some friends and be a guest so i i think that's definitely going to be a huge part of the show um i'm not i'm i'm open to to maybe slowing down a little bit in terms of maybe looking at an individual short story rather than a collection we'll have to see so uh, we might crack some eggs we might try a few things where we'll go short story by short story we'll we'll maybe see if that might be a great way for me to really kind of break down and expand upon a title um we'll see though we'll see thus far i i'm in the the vein of if it's not 
broken, let's not fix it. And I kind of like, you know, taking my time through one King title, whether it's a novella collection, a short story collection, or a novel, and just letting it have the spotlight and whatever pops up in the notes, whatever happens in whatever trail or tangent we follow, let the chips fall as they may. So there is that. However, I am open to to the people. I am open to the wishes of the people. If there is a, a great desire for a more slowed down focus, short story by short story, uh, kind of slowing it down a little bit or revisiting a nice sort of revisit in some of these titles where we could speak a bit more on, I'm also open to that. Also, there might be a segment I am thinking about creating where and we, we might call it, you know, I have the wishing well, which is very old, where we talk about in King stories, how I would have changed it or what I wished would have happened. I kind of stepped away from that only because, you know, I kind of felt, well, it's really who cares what I want. <laughs> However, I really haven't had a king title that compelled me super duper mucho to pursue the wishing well. But what we might end up doing is kind of revisiting things I forgot to say. So now that I have everybody's attention, there are a few things I have forgotten to say and they keep me up at night. I have two things for you. Number one, this is from our recent episodes of Skeleton Crew. If you guys jump back to episode or part two of Skeleton Crew, there is a story I didn't really care for too much in there called The Milkman. There's two installments of it. The Milkman is this creeper guy. Of course, I am forgetting his name right now. And he sort of sabotages the neighborhood milk bottles with frightening things uh, such as spiders and other creepy creatures. We also find out that he's most likely a serial killer. Um, He enters a home that is full of post-murder evidence and it's quite frightening how at home he seems walking through this property. It's a little unnerving. But Milkman, the first one, was pretty cool. The second Milkman, not so much so. But I forgot to put this in the episode where I really feel that the Milkman is almost an early blueprint for the character of mega supervillain in the Mr. Mercedes trilogy of Brady Hartsfield. Think about it, guys. So for those of you guys who have read the Mr. Mercedes trilogy, it comprises Mr. Mercedes, Finders Keepers, and End of Watch. That is our first introduction to the now infamous and iconically reoccurring character of Holly Gibney. That's where she first makes her appearance. Uh, We have the first villain inside Mr. Mercedes, Um, Brady Hartsfield. He is an ice cream man and he also works at a tech shop or rather like a media shop, kind of like a Best Buy or a Radio Shack, which Radio Shack has been closed for a long time, but you guys catch my drift. Um, So he does that um, and then he's also a serial murderer and uh, took out a lot of innocent people waiting in line for a job fair with a Mercedes sedan. He ran them all over, and that is the uh, introductory sinister plot that kicks off the Mr. Mercedes novel. Brady Hartsfield is 
plugged into not one but two novels within that series so i think king really kind of liked him and didn't really want to let him go so he pops up again in end of watch and i don't know if it's as successful as he was in uh, mr mercedes he's a really gross individual he has a very inappropriate relationship with his mom that is sexual in nature it's pretty icky uh he's also incredibly racist just an ugly individual an irredeemable villain if you will and reading the milkman this guy's seemingly in a milkman outfit the traditional all white maybe like a soda shop individual um I'm thinking about the 1950s films I've seen, specifically Pleasantville. That one is so good. Talk about an underrated work. Pleasantville, wonderful. Thinking of a traditional milkman driving around a designated truck. And then we have Brady Hartsfield, who's incarnated almost 30 to 40 years later, who is an ice cream man wearing a kind of similar outfit um, with a sinister plot in mind. However, he's not putting, you know, bits of glass in the ice cream or anything like that. Thank God. That would have been way too much, way too dark as children are his customers, his customer base for sure. But I kind of kicked myself after my Skeleton Crew episode because I was like, oh man, I think that's a legit connection and I forgot to talk about it. So going forward on the podcast, we might have to have a little catch-up episode where we kind of diffuse and distill the remnants of a previous episode and anything I forgot to talk about. I should just talk about it because lately it's been keeping me up, guys. I'm really happy I'm telling you now because for the past couple weeks, I go to sleep and I think about, dang, I should have talked about Milkman equals Brady Hartsfield. So... I'm happy that's now out. Um, The second one I kind of wanted to bring up, this is jumping back to our 2021 hard case crime that I love so much. Later, if you guys read that one, please do it. So good. It's a short one. It's a little uh, sparkling diamond of a mystery taking place in almost present day New York. We have a wonderful, um, engaging narrator who is able to see the dead shortly after they pass. Here's the thing. What I realized in my episode I did not talk about, and a listener brought this to my attention, and I was like, oh my god, why didn't I talk about it? Why didn't I talk about the ending of later? What happened? What's wrong with me? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's that's the, the true answer, is I don't know what happened there. Um, but the ending of later, guys, kind of have has a little bit of a plot reveal that's a it's a little bit of a punch, but I guess it really wasn't that big of a punch for me, and I was totally fine with it. So I do need to talk about it. So if you have not read later and you do not want the ending or an aspect of the ending to be spoiled, please pause now. Do it right now. Click pause. Click the stop button. Do it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> If you're with me and you read 2021's Later, which is a fantastic Halloween book, however, if you haven't read the novel It or you haven't read Salem's Lot in a while, you might want to have those first before you give Later a spin. Just my personal recommendation, however do what you do. It's still a wonderful story, uh, incredibly engaging and moving. Anyway, at the end, our main narrator, who of course, I'm forgetting his name, I always do this, bless him, but 
our main narrator is has recently visited the deceased entity slash ghost of his uncle who is very much a a uh, male figure in his life that he looked up to a lot however his uncle was sick for many many years and one thing that's fantastic about the story of later is king does give the reader a bit of very unique lore to follow along with so in his rules in king's rules of the dead encountering our narrator is they're only around for a short period of time like less than a week and then they transition to the great beyond of which we don't know we don't know and neither does our narrator but what's also interesting and later is he uh, when our narrator encounters any sort of ghost or entity that has passed the human echo right in front of him he can ask them any question he wants and they will only speak the truth it's almost as if they're not allowed to speak any more lies and i loved that about the novel i loved that in death there is no more falsehood there's no more pretend there's no more pretense there's only truth and so um i want to call him devin jones but that's the main character in joyland it's not devin jones i think it's a craig is it a craig we're just gonna go with we're, nope i don't want to ruin it we're gonna go with an unnamed narrator because i uh am forgetting his name so our narrator in later asks his recently deceased uncle a question um do you know who my father is because our narrator has no idea uh, i think his mom sort of spun a tail but never really followed up with it and he's been wondering his whole life and he is now a man in his early 20s heading off to university if i'm remembering it correctly and his ghost uncle tells him i'm your father which is like Ooh! and uh we kind of get this uh hypothetical scenario that our narrator cooks up about maybe this is how it happened there they were recently grieving his uncle and his mother the death of their parents quite suddenly quite terribly and perhaps in that grieving something happened and i in my original coverage of later didn't think that it was that big of a deal uh and then other readers of later who listened to my episode said uh, yeah what what about that ending and i was like why didn't i care about that like why why wasn't it a big deal to me and i guess my answer was i felt that at that point in the at the end of the story one of the points that i did bring up in my later coverage the mom wasn't very developed she was just a traditional mother figure and she had a little bit of relationship drama in the novel that was resolved probably by the middle of the book and then that was kind of it we didn't really have any notions of thinking there was more or something clandestine uh that i don't know the way that king wrote the mom i wasn't really thinking about her a lot i was thinking about our narrator so basically it is revealed to the reader at the very end that he is the product of incest between his mother and his uncle and i just went about my merry way completely unfazed and uh i did have one listener who was really upset by that she's like ew why that's terrible and i was like hmm why didn't i care <laughs> so uh perhaps it just could be like i i felt like okay it's just like a, a little sort of plot surprise 
and I wasn't that surprised by it. I, I guess the, the grossness of it, or the rather inappropriate nature, didn't hit me. Um, I, I was strangely okay with it, which, in retrospect, I, I'm very curious as to what I was thinking. I just, yeah, it got, it was to such a point where I completely forgot to discuss it altogether. Pretty sure I didn't talk about it at all. And I wonder why I didn't. So, uh, yeah, the ending to later, guys. Um, I, I guess I'm just a fan of King so much that a, a gut punch like an incestuous, it, it made sense as to, okay, we're looking at our narrator's abilities and, you know, I don't know, uh, incest kind of happens sometimes. It's rare in these present day, you know, years we're living in, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess my question to the greater masses is, were you phased by the ending? Did anybody have like a visceral grossed out reaction or because it was just so late in the story and this mysterious uncle who didn't really get a lot of screen time and there didn't seem to be any sort of predatory aspects of the uncle. For example, when the narrator and his mom would go visit his uncle at whatever care facility he was at, there was never a feeling of dread or never an utterance of I hate your uncle and he's terrible so there was not a seemingly foul play involved with this exchange it just kind of seemed like a deep family secret that was only unearthed and realized in death and I guess I was okay with it like wow just deep dark secret and that's kind of maybe potentially why our narrator is the way he is why he has this dark gift and um yeah, I should have talked about the ending. The point, the point is, is just because I was unfazed by it doesn't mean that others were not. So I will do my best going forward to keep a sharper eye on those dramatic moments that potentially might cause some readers to just absolutely stop in their tracks and say, what the hell? Um, and that was that was that was one that should have been covered for sure. So I guess not only are we talking about it now, but I'm asking for forgiveness. Um, that definitely should have been explored. So going forward on the podcast, let us hope we don't have too many of these sort of. By the way, perhaps that's what we should call <laughs> the segments, the episodes. Um, by the way, we hopefully we won't have a lot of those. However, we might, um, especially as. I get more and more excited working my way through these King titles. It's very, very possible I forget things. And that's where all of you can come in. If you would like to reach out to the show in any capacity and say, hey, what about this part? You didn't mention it. We, I will happily um, plug in some thoughts because uh, it's important. These books are, you know, a part of our our learning process and a part of our fandom and we should explore all areas and they're always alive and open for me and so I want that to be a thing on this podcast that we're never afraid to 
go back a few steps. We're never afraid to revisit a title, to learn more, to take a second look, to look at a specific quote, to see if I got something wrong, to see if I just completely misinterpreted something or missed something altogether, such as discussing an incestuous ending at the end of Leader. Completely zoomed past me, can't explain why, can't explain why I was unfazed or why I just, you know, let it go other than the fact that the mom seemed a little bit just forgotten about at that point. But that's what I think going forward we're definitely going to get better at. We're going to have some by the way. We're going to have some uh, additional little morsels that missed out or were missed in the original broadcast and we'll kind of uh, do a little bit more um, exploring of these topics. So, Let's look forward to that. Hopefully there won't be too many. But then again, if there are too many, that's fine too. We are a podcast of radical acceptance here. So if there are, that's fine too. These titles are always alive and open. So uh, that is about all I want to say in terms of reflecting back. We are almost to 90 episodes. I am still having so much fun, guys. And I am more in love with King, as I said in the beginning, than I ever have been before. And the love is only deepening because of all of you, all of you who have written into the show, who have contacted me on the socials, who have left uh, a rating or said something nice about the show. You guys have fanned the flames of my little bonfire. Anytime the the flames start to die down a little bit and I start to sort of second guess myself or get a little fatigued. Uh, You guys do such an amazing job of inspiring me to remember how deeply I'm in love with King and his writing and to forge forward uh, on this journey that I'm having an amazing time on. I don't want to stop. The road stretches ever on. And uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be as um, machine-like as we cracked out the other books. Just, uh, gosh, guys, in 2020, I think I did a book a week, which blows my mind now. Um, But now I'm a little busier. I'm stretched a little thin and I'm taking my time with these titles. Um, But we're definitely going to keep this ride rolling. Um, we're, We're on the tracks. We are going forward with all of you. So if you are new to the show, I hope you stay a while. I hope that you reach out and say hi. Please let me know any underrated King recommendations that you would like to see featured this year. If you could share the show with a friend or another King fan who hasn't heard of us yet and might get something out of it, having spent a lot of time with an underrated king title and you want some uh deeper reflection on it i'm doing my best to provide that and at present we're still going to be a one woman show with hopefully lots more episodes of making friends um please check out some of my friends who i love so much with all of my heart specifically matt hurt from tower junkies and obsessive viewer as well as matt and simon from king size podcast in addition to dan caffrey and everybody at the losers club 
as well as all of the Constant Reader interviews, check out uh, all of their publications, blogs, Instagrams. Let's plug in with them and create this. Let's be good citizens in this King community. And that's my other vow is I am a supporter of all those who love King and I want to share and celebrate that love with everybody. So we're going to have more friends featured on this show as well as more literary investigations of these stories with perhaps some additional little pit stops of stuff we forgot. So we'll see how those go down. You guys can let me know if bringing up these extra morsels didn't really do anything for you or they're not really necessary. Um, I'm open to all feedback. It's, it's all good learning. It's all it's all good. So I'm going to sort of take my exit here as we reflect on two years here at the Year of Underrated Stephen King podcast. I'm still having a great time. I'm excited to share my thoughts with from a Buick 8 with everybody. I am wow. I am very impressed, folks. So thus far, it's going well. I hope to have that episode out for you soon. And then I want, I super duper hope that by mid-month or end of the month, I will begin the journey for Wizard and Glass. I will make my way back to Roland. I am so pumped because everyone I have talked about Wizard and Glass, they just oh my gosh, guys, the swoon. They have this audible swoon. They get this look in their eye. I have a feeling, I always thought that drawing of the three or no, pardon me. I I was under the impression that the Wastelands was everyone's favorite. I, I was like, oh, okay, this is the favorite within Dark Tower. I don't know, because uh, the I've been chatting Wizard and Glass with many individuals and it seems like this one is very special and quite spectacular. So I am salivating. I am chomping at the bit. I am ready to go back and visit Roland. So please stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. I will do my best to have them out in a timely manner. But until then, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a five star. If you're so inclined, we would love for you guys to say something kind about the show. Um, that would be wonderful. Please share with a friend um, and please reach out and say hello either on any of the socials or on Twitter and Instagram very regularly or at underratedsk at gmail. Also, if you have written me and I haven't written you back, please try the socials because there might have been some sort of international snafu in which I didn't receive your email because no matter what, I write people back. So if you have written the show and received no response, please reach out on Twitter or Instagram as I would be happy to rectify that missing email message and uh, hear your thoughts and thank you personally for listening to the show. So thank you guys so much for all of your support and encouragement, the king knowledge that you share with me, the enthusiasm you share with me. This is a labor of love and I feel so much love from all of you. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for exploring these episodes of those early cringeworthy episodes to hopefully the ones that have substantial meat attached to them to some of these more meandering, odd little ducky episodes. Thank you so, so much for listening to the show. It is... 
Oh, it, I, I, I'm so speechless with the amount of joy and emotion in my heart when I think about all of you who are so kind to give me some of the time in your day and uh, especially reach out with uh, all the special king knowledge you guys have. So wherever you are in the world, thank you so very much for listening. Please take care, be safe, enjoy the springtime if you're in the northern hemisphere and and uh, enjoy the last of summer, I think, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. For you Aussies, I think you got a couple more months before it gets dreary, before it gets a little not as fun, potentially. But everyone, have a beautiful rest of your weekend. Have a beautiful month of April. April is the fire sign of seize the action. Seize the, the, the moment you're... The idea that you want to try, the song you want to write, the story you want to write, um, the film you want to make, the girl you want to talk to, the boy you want to message, or the do it, do it. April is the time. April is now. So please seize it, do it. No regrets just do it um, and uh, all of the fiery energy surrounding this month will assist in that effort and let me know how it goes I'll be curious so once more this is Kim C signing off with a giant hug to all of you thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon bye bye